Welcome back to the South End Zone Podcast. I am your host this week, Jason. I'm here with Eric and Timmy. We're back with you for week seven. Timmy, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Uh, still a little butthurt after the Virginia Tech game last week, but such is life, and uh, we'll move on to the next one. Yeah, such is life for more than just uh, VT fans, unfortunately. Uh, Eric, how you doing, man? Uh, I'm beat. Long weekend. Uh, I didn't get to watch nearly as much football as I normally do or would hope to do. House drama, but we are we are through the worst of it. Everything is back on track, so looking forward to week seven. Yeah, your kid getting bit by a snake in the middle of a game, it's, you know, not yeah. kind of yeah, kind of makes you I, lose uh, lose interest I, in the football game real quick. Yeah, I had just flipped over to Iowa State and Penn State and made an observation in the group chat about you know Iowa doesn't look like they're scared of this guy throwing the ball like at all. They got you know they got nine dudes in the boxes. You know, Penn State was still ahead at the time, but yeah, then you get an eleven year old running in the house screaming bloody murder, and it you know the whole rest of the weekend kind of goes to shit. Well, we're glad he's all right. Boys, looking at what happened this weekend, obviously the biggest news being uh, number one, Alabama gets the, you know, the brakes beat off of them in the first half and, you know, ends up taking the lead there and having a chance to close it out and they can't get it done. And A&M, they played excellent. Their crowd was just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I watched the whole game. Timmy, I know you caught some of the end of it. Zach Calzada has looked, I mean, nothing short of just, I would say, bad thus far this season but saturday night i mean i've never seen anything like that from him jimbo fisher must have just done something or maybe they've been sandbagging up to this point i'm not sure but he looked unbelievable and a&m gets it done in the wind man initial thoughts timmy yeah i mean i'd like to say that i'm surprised by this but with the way everything's gone this year and top ranked teams losing left and right and all that stuff i am really not surprised to be quite honest with you and you know we've talked about it recently about alabama and them not being invincible this year as compared to years past but i think jimbo fisher took a long hard look at the florida game from a couple of weeks ago when alabama played them and notice probably some chinks in the armor and you know he's a good coach man he's going to take note of those things and I think that's exactly what he did is he he took it to Alabama in their weak spot and uh like you said in the first half they took it took it right to him and you know built a big beefy lead and hung on there at the end yeah I mean you would think so but I I go back to Calzada here um and I'll cover him a little bit more you know when we get to studs and duds but just looking at the previous games in which he played in okay his completion percentage has been 47, 57, 55, and 60. And, you know, I mean, he had one game where his quarterback rating was 25.3 in the loss to Arkansas. Gross. I mean, what, I, mean I, I don't know where he came from because this past weekend he was just about perfect. He went 21 to 31, 285, 67% completion, three touchdowns. He looked amazing. You know, had a rating, had a QBR of 90. So he was excellent. But this game for me, guys, I don't know what you think about it, but being an Alabama fan for a long time, when you've got first and goal from the three-yard line two different times and you come away on two different possessions and you come away with three points, I, I mean, that that's a good... That's a good way to get beat. It's a great way to lose. They did have a lead later in the game after that and had a chance to close it out, but I feel like they left 14 points on the board when one of those possessions, you run it twice, get to the one, and then you throw it and get picked off. And then in the next possession, 
first and goal from the three, they throw it three straight times and then kick a field goal. Like why, Eric, why don't they get the heavy, like the heavy goal line package out there like they've always done and like Georgia still does and just run the ball four times and score? I mean, what what am I missing? Well, I would think Alabama could run the ball max two times and score from the three. Uh, that one to me is inexplicable. I didn't, I, I watched one play and then the field goal at the very end is all I caught. But kind of reading about the game, you know, post-mortem, really, really baffling. It just, it sounds like uh, Bill O'Brien just maybe outsmarted himself a little bit. And, and instead of just, you know, we're Alabama, let's run the ball. You know, you have to get 10 feet. Yeah, I don't think Bill O'Brien fully read the Nick Saban offensive philosophy pamphlet when he got his onboarding session completed, because you guys are right. I mean, Alabama's MO for the longest time has been to pound the rock and pound the rock and pound the rock. And to see them throw the ball on the goal line like that, I was just as baffled, you know, as you guys were. Well, and to top to top it all off, you know, Brian Robinson had 24 carries for a buck 47. He averaged 6.1 yards a carry. It's it's not like we didn't have success running the ball. I mean, I, I, I don't get it. It's one of those things I don't like to question Nick Saban because he's the best that's ever done it. But I'm sitting here going, well, I know his argument is we just didn't execute. But I mean, just simplify the game, man. I mean, you got to, you know, the other team, they think they can beat you. And if you don't stomp out that belief early, you're in trouble. And I feel like that's exactly what happened. Yeah, that seems to be happening a lot last year or this year um, so far with, you know, what what we think are the superior teams, letting a team just hang around, hang around, hang around. And then suddenly a game hinges on like two plays, like the Florida-Kentucky game from last week is a good example of that. You know, Florida really should have won that game. But, you know, Kentucky, like they have seemingly all year, hung around, hung around, hung around, and then swung the game on a play or two plays. And, you know, as far as goaling play calling, I could be talked into, you know, maybe run a play action on first down. But I mean, after that, there, there's, you shouldn't throw it three times from the three if you're Alabama ever. Yeah, I would have to agree there. And on the other side of it, looking at Texas A&M, <laughs> I mean, what what am I missing here that, like, how did this team lose to Mississippi State and Arkansas and then come out and play like that? It, like, to me, that's the most, like, puzzling part about it. I'm looking at Jimbo going, those two losses are inexcusable the way they looked against Alabama. It, it makes no sense. I mean, they were, what, number five in the country coming into the season? They looked like a top five team the other night. I don't know much of anything that's made this sense this year. I think, yeah, I want to say they're like six, but yeah, they were, I mean, they were up there and then they, they looked bad against Colorado. And that's, I think that was the first game the, that Colorado played because he came in for King. Uh, and then they've just been like thoroughly unimpressive since then. And then they sort of come out of their shell Saturday night and, you know, really makes you wonder where it came from or where it was hiding for the last month. Yeah, it's a bit puzzling. But uh, speaking of puzzling, I want to move on from this game. I, I don't think it's any you know secret that Alabama still controls their own destiny. But speaking of just inexplicable things, Timmy, I got I got I don't think they've invented the fucking words yet for how quickly our you know Texas picks evaporated <laughs> over the course of that game. Like what the fuck happened? This shit is mind numbing to me. It's completely and utterly ridiculous that they pissed that game away. I mean, they were taking them to the fucking woodshed in the first half. They scored 38 points. How do you come out the rest of the game in the second half and only score 10? And then the other thing for me about this game is if Caleb Williams coming in in relief of Spencer Rattler is an indictment on him, I don't know what is. Um, (laughs) 
Because once Do- he came into the game, Dr. Thunder, you know, they turned into like an offensive juggernaut and couldn't be stopped. Throwing for like 211 yards and two touchdowns and then running the ball for 88 and another touchdown. Um, he was everything that Spencer Rattler was supposed to be this year. I think Lincoln Riley knows the right answer here going forward. But the question is, does he have the sack to keep Rattler holding the clipboard? I don't think he does. And I think we'll see more of Spencer Rattler throughout the rest of the year. And I think that's a mistake. But Texas, they own this loss, man. There's no way that you should be up by that many points in the first half and piss that away. And we let him off the hook. Yeah, up uh, up 28 to 7 after the first quarter, 38 to 20 at halftime. And, you know, if you blow an 18-point lead after halftime, I, I don't know. I, I don't understand. I mean, Oklahoma made some great adjustments in the second half, but Caleb Williams, yeah, comes in, had never attempted a college pass I don't think I don't think he'd ever played to this point in the season. Dude looked just all American out there. He looked amazing. And man, uh, like you, like we mentioned earlier, Kennedy Brooks, man, Jesus, the I mean, Texas couldn't stop the run to save their lives in the second half, especially. I mean, what? <laughs> I mean, I ain't never seen anything like that. Or dude just takes it all the way for a score. You know, with what eight seconds left or something like that? Eight, nine, yeah. eight seconds left. It's like they laid down. It, it looked like they got kind of caught hung up in between alignments and, and just were way out of position and completely caught off guard that that Oklahoma was going to, because that was a direct snap, right, to the running back? I think so, yeah. Yeah. So, they're you know, and that's a kind of an odd look to give them. And they either didn't have any timeouts. I don't know. I didn't watch that one. Either didn't have any timeouts or didn't call one in time or didn't recognize earlier enough that, that they weren't set up for, for anything towards the, the power side. Or they thought that Oklahoma was running the Manny Diaz offense where they were just going to try to settle for a game-winning field yeah, goal. he's just going to kneel in the middle where the kicker wants it. You must think I'm dumb. I don't know what happened there. When I just think about this game, like they haven't invented the words yet for like, you know, everybody that bet on Oklahoma to cover three and a half just went fucking ballistic with eight seconds left in the game because they did not lead the entire game. It's so mind-numbing to me still to this day. Yeah, but the sledding doesn't get much easier for Texas this week. They got Oklahoma State. That should be a bit of an interesting game. I mean, Gundy's 5-0, and coming in with some clout. They're up to number 12, so. The Cowboys are 5-0, and but what's uh, what's Mike Gundy's mullets record this year? 2-1? In- <laughs> Infinity. <laughs> it's undefeated every week. Infinity. Yeah. Timmy... The last time I had Iowa and Penn State on, it was 17-3, to Penn State. And apparently, Sean Clifford going out was the death of their team. So, uh, I know you watched that game. Give me give me your, uh, your thoughts on that one. That's accurate right there, man. I felt like Iowa was lucky to get away with this win. Like you said, if Sean Clifford stays in the whole game, Penn State wins that football game. That's just the bottom line. And I'm not making Sean Clifford out to be the second coming of Brett Favre or anything like that, because he certainly was not spectacular up until the point that he got hurt. But Penn State could literally do nothing on offense without him. You know, that Roberson kid came in in relief, but there's in no way, shape or form that he's good enough to be one snap away from the playing field. He's just not. Because after he came in, Penn State had 50 yards on 46 plays the rest of the way. That's fucking pathetic. We couldn't do diddly-poo offensively. You know, and basically that just 
turned into Penn State's defense being a revolving door where they were constantly on the field after the offense would go three and out. And there isn't a defense in the country that can sustain that for a half football. And Iowa just wore them down throughout the stretch and chipped away at them. And, you know, Penn State couldn't hold on. Yeah, I peri- I periodically checked that game. And it's like you said, every time like I would turn it back on and Penn State would be on offense. And it was just like, nope, 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 pun it. And I was going, I don't think these guys are going to be able to score a point the rest of the game. I'm not sure they'll get a first down. Like, I was going to keep getting shots, and maybe eventually they'll pull it off. And, man, I feel like Penn State wins that game handily if Clifford doesn't go out. So I think Iowa may be a little bit of a smoke screen, but, hey, they're all the way up to number two. So we'll see We'll see how, you know, how well they hold on. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, the last game I want to touch on, Notre Dame. Timmy, it sounds to me like Virginia Tech was just like crushed by injuries in this game. I mean, what? give me the rundown here. Well, I mean, you know, their quarterback, Braxton Burmeister, hurt his shoulder in the late fourth quarter. He ended up coming back in the game when their backup quarterback got hurt, and he basically played with one arm. Um, he had a real gutsy uh, touchdown run that he scored from like, 30 yards out that, you know, really says a lot about his character. But at the end of the day, Notre Dame really couldn't figure anything out on offense. Jack Cohn started the game. He was terrible. He got a clipboard again. And then, you know, they brought in, um, I don't even remember the other kid's name. He couldn't really throw the ball. He could run the ball. They got a little bit of a spark from him on the first drive, ended up scoring a touchdown. But after that drive, they kind of figured him out and bottled him up. And, you know, then he goes on the bench and Jack Cohn comes in and all of a sudden they get a spark from him. It's like just a revolving door at quarterback for Notre Dame. So I still don't think they have it figured out offensively. This was just a weird game. And I think the shortcomings of Virginia Tech's offense is ultimately what kept them from winning this game because their defense was on the field a little bit too much. Uh, especially at the end of the game. But, yeah, another heartbreaking loss, man. Yeah, and I I don't know what you think about this, Eric, but Notre Dame's path to the playoff, to me, seems very possible still, depending on what the rest of the country does, obviously. But, I mean, they've got USC this week, North Carolina after that, and then the rest of their games, (laughs) I mean, they're all pretty winnable. Navy, Virginia, Georgia Tech, Stanford. So if they get by USC and North Carolina, I feel like they finish 11-1. and And to me, if your only loss is to – currently the number three team in the country i'd say they'd have a pretty strong argument to be in the playoff and (laughs) am i crazy to think if that happens they just get steamrolled in the first round Uh, playoffs don't talk about playoffs so you're you're not crazy to say that they you know they they have a track to the playoff their schedule is strong enough i think Uh, even though they're not in a conference and they're not going to get another ranked team in a conference championship game i mean if, if your one loss is like you said, to Cincinnati, but they're beating quality teams. You know, USC and, and North Carolina probably aren't what people thought they were at the beginning of the year, but, you know, they're not some FCF school either. Um, they get Virginia, they get Georgia Tech, and they're at Stanford. It's just, it's going to be tough to keep them out. And the other thing that works in their favor is they're currently ranked 14th. But if you look who's ahead of them, Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa, all those big 10 teams still got to play each other, right? Some of them are going to lose. One or two of them probably going to lose twice. And then you get into if Oregon drops another game, uh, Kentucky probably going to lose this weekend. Uh, Old Miss already has a loss, even though their loss is probably, you know, kind of comparable to Notre Dame's. I don't know that Old Miss is going to have a ton. Well, I mean, they should, have, you know, quality wins as well if they went out. But th- there is light at the end of the tunnel for them. I'm just not convinced that they that they went out. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a tough road. 
um, for them to win out, given their struggles offensively. But, you know, working for them on the Oregon side of that, Oregon sitting at nine. But even if Oregon wins out, you know, and Notre Dame wins out, I mean, if Notre Dame beats Stanford, that's a common opponent, you know. So Oregon finishes out with a loss to Stanford and Notre Dame's only loss is to Cincinnati. I would uh, probably give the nod to Notre Dame, regardless of what I think about them. Yeah, that, like I said, that is one thing that work, you know, that works in their favor because I think one of the things they look at is, well, who had the worst loss? Who lost, uh, you know, at home to an unranked team or whatever? You yeah, know, losing this, losing to Cincinnati, you know, it's just like Penn State. They, I mean, they probably shouldn't have dropped three spots, but you know, their their one loss is on the road to Iowa. Well, I'm not convinced that they run the table the rest of the year. Well, I'm really not either, not. but I'm saying it. You know, the possibility is there, and if they do that, I think they're in. Well, it's going to be a uh, interesting thing to see because I, I mean looking ahead a little bit going off script here a little bit I, am i crazy to think that the big 10 is still ohio state's league to lose i mean i feel like they look like the best team in the big 10 right now yeah they certainly could be yeah i'd like them against iowa just because for as good as iowa's defense is i don't know that they can do enough offensively to keep up that's been kind of their theme is just you know winning with defense and special teams against a team like Ohio State, who I believe leads the nation in scoring. You know, tall order. And then... Yeah, yeah. Maryland put up a big fight against them this weekend, gave up 66 to Ohio State. So they, they're they right where they want to be, sitting at number six, got a loss. Nobody's really talking about them, and all they're doing is just absolutely trucking people every week. Yeah, we talked... We talked about it last week. They still 100% control their own destiny because they're going to get a chance to to rack up some quality wins. They still got Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State on their schedule, and then potentially Iowa. You know, nothing saying, obviously, that they're going to win those four games, but man, it, that that's four quality wins. And then again, their one loss to Oregon in week two, that's not going to that's not gonna look terrible. I mean, Ohio State's had some bad losses that, that kept them out before, you know, like losing to Purdue by 20 and, and stuff like that. It's not the case. Yeah, and then looking at our new number one team in the nation, I, I know we didn't recap Auburn and Georgia. I think I'm the only one of us that actually got to spend a lot of time watching that game. Uh, Georgia, again, looked extremely impressive, especially defensively. Auburn couldn't do. We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. They got smothered. Bo Nix was running for his life most of the game. <laughs> I mean, they they look like number one. They have the whole season. I've been saying it for a while now that I thought they were better than Alabama, and I think they've. I think Hunter last week said that Georgia should be the consensus number one, and you know now we see why for good reason. So you know they've got uh, Kentucky coming to town this week, six and zero, number eleven Kentucky. <laughs> and I don't know if anybody else noticed, but uh, is anybody going to be taking that action on the uh, Kentucky plus twenty three? <laughs> not with a ten foot pole. No, running. No, I watched, uh, so so I watched Old Miss in Arkansas, which by the way, was a fantastic game. Um, by the time that was over, I switched over to Georgia. They were down three, nothing. And then I watched uh, the rest of the first half and then I turned it off at the third quarter. But here's how that game went. Auburn, first drive, 68 yards, ended in a field goal. Their next five drives in the first half, 29 yards total. We sucked. Uh, and then they got that touchdown in the third quarter with about four minutes left and just when you think, hey, maybe they'll make a game of it, they they pull within 14. Their next two drives were a total of seven plays for negative nine yards. I, Georgia's defense is just... It's the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, it is. It's total nightmare fuel. Like, I'm almost to the point where I'm feeling sorry for quarterbacks and, and offensive <laughs> coordinators. Yeah. Like, it, yeah, it's just 
unbridled chaos everywhere when they play defense. It's like if you had a bowl of Halloween candy, like the little packages of Skittles, and you walked into a pre-K class and just dumped the bowl <laughs> in the middle of the room and then watched. That's what Georgia's defense looks like. It's just giant, fast people going in every which direction, hitting everything that moves. Where they rank nationally in a lot of these defensive stats and how many different ones that they're like in the top four, uh, it's ridiculous. Uh, you compare every team they've played, like they're, they're scoring average in games against Georgia versus games against everyone else. And the only team within 20 points of their normal, quote unquote, normal scoring average is Vanderbilt. Hmm. Because, wow. they only, because they only average 20 against everyone else and Georgia shut them out. Yeah. Well, Vanderbilt, they suck. They're god awful. Like, it's funny. I was talking to somebody the other day. They said Vanderbilt should be fined for how bad they are. <laughs> so, I, I do want to move on here. Um, let's get to the picks review. Can we skip that one this week? <laughs> it's a. Uh, it's a little bit of an interesting week. Uh, we'll start with Hunter since he's not here to defend himself. Uh, you know, the soccer guy. Uh, he took Penn State plus two, and that was looking pretty good until Sean Clifford's injury. And, uh, you know, they, Iowa ended up out on top on that one, so did not cover there. He took Georgia-Auburn over 45 and a half. Uh, that total got up to 44, so close but no cigar. He had uh, faith, too, way too much faith in Auburn's offense there. Arkansas plus six, that was a cover. I, now, I don't know about either one of you, but I, I applaud Sam Pittman for actually going for two and trying to win the game. I know they didn't get it, but I mean, if hundred percent, but if you're, if you're him, I mean, you feel like you got nothing to lose. I mean, why the fuck not? Let's go for it. I, I, I yeah. liked the call there. I don't have a problem with it. I, I loved it when I was watching the game and I, I love it even more now reflecting on it, that running a play from the three against old Miss's defense in a game where you've put up almost 700 yards you kidding me like you, you boil the whole game down to one play with old miss's offense on the sideline watching that that represents your best chance to win and i like you said definitely applaud sam Pittman for for understanding that and having the sack to do it but um i, I wish more coaches would or at least understand you know playing for overtime kind of kind of drives me nuts but yeah it uh i didn't i wasn't 100 percent in love with the play call and the execution left something be the you know to be desired, but the idea that, hey, I'm, I'm playing an SEC game on the road and I can boil it down to, to one play where my opponent's, you know, relative weakness is on the field that, you know, you have to like your chances. You run the ball for 320 yards. You got to like your chances to get three points or I'm sorry, three yards and, and get that, that two pointer. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree there. And I, I'm with you on that. If if I'm KJ Jefferson, I'm absolutely pissed if they're telling me to throw the ball. I'm like, no, I want a direct snap with all my heavies in front of me and I'm going to gain three yards. Like, that's what I would have done. But, you know, they didn't execute, didn't get it. But, you know, like you said, you applaud them for trying. And that was, like you said, a really exciting game to watch. Um, And then yeah. his last pick, his upset pick, uh, you're welcome, Hunter, uh, Washington State over Oregon State. That's one I gave him because uh, you took his initial or both of his initial upset picks got taken and he didn't have a third one to choose. So you're welcome for those two points. Uh, I'm willing to trade mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would like to trade mine for his since I gave him that one. But uh, moving over to me, uh, I took BYU minus six. BYU laid a giant fucking egg. I watched a lot of that game. Boise State didn't do anything spectacular. It was exactly what I said last week. It would be very on brand for them to get some clout and then lay a giant egg. And that's exactly what happened. They were at home. Boise State came in there and just didn't do anything spectacular. But BYU was just inept offensively. Couldn't move the ball. Couldn't get shit done. 
So I, I don't know. I feel like that was just a parlay killer this weekend <laughs> because I got several messages from people going, what the fuck is BYU doing? So I, I feel like that's just like Eric always says, that's a bad result, not a bad process. So Arkansas Ole Miss over 66. That was easy money. Had that locked up in the third quarter. And then Timmy can say what he wants to about it, but Liberty minus 19 and a half. Easy money. Once again, the University of Residual Income comes through. Last but not least, I took Texas over Oklahoma. We know what happened there. You thought you had it. I feel cheated there. Let's move over to Eric. <laughs> Eric not. had a Eric had a good start to the week. Took Coastal Carolina. Uh, that was a Friday night special. Uh, minus 19 and a half. Easy money cover. Arkansas State is terrible. And then uh, after that, I feel like you were... A couple of plays away from going three and zero against the spread here, Michigan. Michigan minus three and a half. They ended up playing for a field goal and uh, they win by three. So you did not cover there. Did not. And then Wake Forest. You had the minus six. You had them. And then Syracuse scores late. They go to overtime. Wake ends up winning by a field goal. So you did not cover there. And uh, then last but not least, you took. LSU over Kentucky and boys, how hot is Ed Orgeron's seat after that? It's on Brutal. fire. Brutal. Well, I said at the time, you know, I had I had four other upset picks that I liked and, and they were all taken either someone else's upset pick or they took that team against, you know, to cover. But I, I really thought that LSU would put up more of a fight and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better for them in the near future. No, they have a tough road ahead. I mean, they still have several tough games ahead of them. I mean, they it's Alabama, Arkansas, <laughs> Ole Miss. It's L, <laughs> L, L. That, that, I do see a win in here, but, you know, ULM. But, man, Florida. Yeah, I don't know that they make a bowl game. I don't, I no, don't I don't, know. I don't see them going three and three against the rest of their schedule. Where, where are the wins at? I, I don't know. Florida at Mississippi, then a bye week where Orgeron probably gets fired, then at Alabama, Arkansas, ULM, and Texas A&M. I don't care who you play. Like, it's looking an awful lot like 4-8 for for Big Ed. Yikes. Yeah, if they go 4-8, he's out of there. I do think they wait till the end of the season, though. I don't see him getting chicaned midseason. I mean, what, you know, what's the point? I'd, you know, wait till the end of the year, save a little money on the buyout, and then get rid of him. I feel like that's the direction they go, but whatever interim guy you choose isn't going to go, you know, do any better. So. No, there, there'd be no point. I mean, it's pointless, you know, unless you just feel like, unless you feel like there's some conduct detrimental to the program going on, then you got to just leave them in there. And I feel like LSU's the kind of team that they're not going to shit can them unless they've got somebody pretty decent lined up, which by the way, LSU, John Gruden's available. If uh, you guys, if you guys uh, are interested there. I don't think anybody's touching John Gruden for a little while, week man. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. He was, uh, yeah, no more, like Eric said in the group chat, no more spider two Y bananas for a while. So Yeah, that's you know. a big negative. Yeah. So No, no everyone's going to retire that play. Yeah. 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 So we'll finish, so. Finishing up with Timmy. Uh, Timmy, you took Texas plus three and a half. We both got screwed. I feel for you there. So fucking pissed. Yeah, I'm still upset about it. Kentucky minus three, easy money. LSU, they stink. It stunk. And then UVA and Louisville over 69 and a half. You just missed that one. Just a wee bit short. Hoping for the back door kick return cover at the end of the game, but. I'm the only one that gets those. Yeah, Yeah, apparently. (laughs) And then uh, you took VT over Notre Dame. 
and we know how that happened there. Game one and field goal for Notre Dame, heartbreaker. Just one after another for Justin Fuentes and company. So on the week total, uh, Hunter took three points. I took two, and you and Eric each took one point. So, yeah. Embarrassing. (laughs) So, that brings the total to Hunter with 16 points, myself with 13, and then you and, or Timmy and Eric both, no, sorry, Timmy's got 13 along with me, and Eric has 15. So, Hunter in first, Eric in second, and me and Timmy pulling up the rear. So, looking ahead, boys, I mean, we, mm, I feel like it's going to be a tight race. Some real tasty lines this week. There are some good ones. There's a lot of highlighter on my notepad. All right. So, uh, anything that we need to cover? Any comments, questions, thoughts before we get into the picks this week? Well, I feel like uh, this weekend had some studs to talk about and maybe even some duds. Oh, yeah. That's good. Yeah, good call. Let's do some studs and duds. Why don't we start with you, Eric? Give me your stud and your dud. Okay, for my stud, I was actually tempted to pick two guys because both of these guys just balled out, and it was a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Uh, K.J. Jefferson from Arkansas and Matt Corral from Old Miss were incredible. But I'm going to give a little extra, a uh, little extra shine to young Mr. Jefferson. He was uh, 25 of 35 for 326 yards and three touchdowns. He did have the one interception that I will overlook because it was a halftime hail mary, and the line of scrimmage was his own 40. So a uh, ball intercepted on the end zone, time remaining or time ran out. Uh, in addition to that, he ran the ball 20 times for 85 yards and another three scores. So you put up six touchdowns in a game, uh, you're my stud. And you know, we talked about it earlier on that two-point play. I would have liked to have seen something maybe where you, you know, sprint him out, some sort of run pass option where if he thinks he can tuck it and run, guy's 250 and fast, you can use him on the goal line. But, uh, and then my dud, oh, this guy. <laughs> You know, we gave him a really cool nickname and he just simply has not lived up to it. So he is no longer Dr. Thunder. He's back to just being Spencer Rattler, mm. who, who was 8 of 15 for 111 yards. He threw a pick, lost a fumble, took three sacks, and he got pulled. They were down 35 to 17. So for a guy who, you know, before the season, people were looking at, oh, number one pick, Heisman Trophy, blah, blah, blah. It's <laughs> a crap game. Yeah. I would have to agree with all those takes on all those players there. That's um, I agree with everything you said there. Uh, Timmy, stud and a dud. What do you got, man? Uh, so my stud of the week for all you Pat McVie listeners out there, this one's for the brand, but uh, Seth Small, the kicker from Texas A&M, man, I got to give that kid some love. Uh, two of two on field goals, five of five on extra points, and of course, one of those field goals was the game winner. He had ice in his veins and a little right-hand English to sneak that ball through the left upright and send the crowd storm in the field. And then my dud is uh, Tank Bigsby, Auburn's running back. 10 carries for 28 yards but after thinking about it for a middle little bit you know 2.8 yards per carry might actually be impressive considering he was pounding his head up against georgia's defense all week but (laughs) nonetheless that's a pretty shitty performance yeah i thought auburn would have a little bit more success than they did but as a team they averaged 1.6 yards per carry oof yeah <laughs> doesn't look too good um to close it out real quick on my studs and duds uh, zach calzada i talked about him a little bit when we opened up here from texas a&m the guy i mean he was just he was lights out man 
I will say this about it. Alabama did not get in his face. He had a ton of time to throw for most of the night. But the one time Alabama did get to him, they actually knocked him out of the game for a little bit. But they got to him, and he made a absolutely perfect throw for a touchdown on that on that play. So he was otherworldly. You know, his numbers don't blow you away. You know, 21 to 31, 285, three TDs. So it's not like, you know, he lit the stadium on fire, but he was just so efficient and made all the plays that he had to make to get the win. So kudos to him and Texas A&M. But looking at a dud, I can't go anywhere but with Texas's defense in the second half of that game. What the fuck is going on when You let a freshman QB who's never taken a snap come in and just light your ass on fire. (laughs) I don't don't understand what happened there, but they had no pass rush. They didn't even sniff getting anywhere near Caleb Williams to sack him. I mean, it was fucking ugly. We just got our ass totally kicked. Maybe Oklahoma just made some great second half adjustments or whatever, but I ain't never seen no shit like that. So my dud of the week, Texas's second half defense. What a joke. Speaking of jokes, uh, Timmy, why don't you give me your first pick of the <laughs> yeah, week? All right. The first game I'm going to take off the slate is uh, Michigan State and Indiana. Uh, Michigan you son State's of a bitch. God damn laying it, four and a half points. Uh, give me Sparty. Uh, Michigan State, five and one against the spread this year. Indiana, one and four against the spread. I like those odds. The other interesting statistic, if you will, is Indiana sucks and Michigan <laughs> State does not. Uh, so this one's a no-brainer for me, man. Yeah, that second stat actually probably means more in terms of picking this game. Yes. Yeah, Michigan State's gotten the better of them the last few years. I mean, they've won four, or they've won three out of the last four against them. Indiana did uh, shut them out last year, 24 to zip, but that was uh, a different Michael Penix, I feel like, than what we're seeing these days. Well, because I picked him this week, wait for Michael Penix to come out and look like yeah, freaking right. Kyler Murray or something. Yeah, I just don't see it. Uh, I, I, I'd have to agree with you on there. Uh, you know, like I said, they're two and three against the spread against Indiana in the last five games. But I, I think this is a different Michigan State team, especially with Kenneth Walker running back, just lighting it up. So uh, I like that pick. Good pick. Eric, give me pick numero uno. Well, I liked his pick too. Um, unfortunately, he snuck it out of there. Um, so Auburn is a Auburn is a three and a half point underdog at Arkansas, and I went back and forth on a little bit on that which side of, of that fence I wanted to ride, and I finally elected to just take neither. Uh, I'm going to take over fifty three and a half on that game. Hmm, over fifty three and a half. You know, that's a good. I'm interested in here looking back at uh, the last few games between them. Yeah, five out of the last six have scored more than 53 points. So, yeah, well, even just looking at this season, if you take out their Georgia games, because that that's not really a you know realistic representation of of everyone else they're going to play. Um, you know, Auburn's average is like something like uh, 38 a game. Other than Georgia, you know, and Arkansas is not far off. So neither of these defenses are anywhere near Georgia's. So I like them to, uh, I like them to get, you know, 28 apiece. Well, I got to tack on half a point to you. The current line is, or the current total is 54. Oh, is okay. Yeah, fair enough. So you're good with that. All right. Yep. So, uh, Timmy's got Sparty at four and a half and Eric takes Arkansas and Auburn over 54. All right. For my first pick. 
Tim in would break your heart. Give me Pittsburgh minus four on the road at Virginia Tech. I think uh, Kenny Pickett uh, goes up there and takes care of business. I don't think Virginia Tech has the offense to score with them. So I like Pittsburgh minus four on the road at Virginia Tech. 2.30 p.m. kickoff. That's probably a good pick, man. Like you said, I don't think Virginia Tech's offense can keep up with them. Um, They've been lighting the scoreboard up this year. Um, Tech's defense could you know, be the equalizer in this, but I think they're going to be on the field too much. Yeah, 100%. Like I say, I don't like picking against Virginia Tech, but after what I saw, I I just don't know that they can score with Pitt, like you said. So, Timmy, round number two. All right, I'm going to take the Nebraska-Minnesota game. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to lay four points with the Cornhuskers here. You kidding me? All this time, crushing Scott Frost. We've been crushing Scott Frost and the Cornhuskers all year. But the bottom line is, is Nebraska's kept it competitive in pretty much every game this year. Um, So their record isn't necessarily indicative of, you know, their football team. But they're also playing Minnesota here, and Minnesota really has not been a world beater either. Um, the game will probably be a trash can, but I really believe Nebraska can cover four against Minnesota. Plus, it'll be an, another you know rooting interest to root for another L in the Gophers win-loss category, uh, considering the bet that we oh, have. Winning twice. I think I'm already on a loser there. <laughs> I don't. I don't think there's any chance they win seven games. Mathematically, I think it's just about impossible at this point. But anyway, uh, moving on to Eric, pick number two. What you got? Um, give me Mississippi minus three against Tennessee. You're not going to take the total. You're not going to take over 82. <laughs> when, when it, yeah, when the, when it opened at 77, I, my ears perked up and then it kind of creeping up and up and up. I was like, man, I don't, I can just see, you know, I, I feel like if I do that, you know, one of the quarterbacks is going to get hurt or something silly. I just, I, I like Mississippi minus three more than I like the, what is it? 81 and a half now? 82 is the current total. Good God. That's a ton of points. No, <laughs> I can't. Even with these two teams, right? Cause Tennessee's scoring a shitload too, but I just can't, can't do it. Can't bring myself to do it. Mm-mm-mm. Well, watch them put right. up a hundred again. Yeah. You know, and a week ago, I, Boys, I don't know what to make of this line here. <laughs> like, I had this written down here. Am I crazy to think that they are looking at, at Vegas is looking at this line like Caleb Williams is going to play for Oklahoma? Because I feel like if Spencer Rattler is the QB, no chance Oklahoma is a 13 and a half point favorite over TCU. Am I crazy there? I would agree, but Lincoln Riley's gone out of his way to be non-committal and basically say, "I'll name a starter Saturday." So I I saw that line, my my ears kind of perked up, but I'm not I'm not touching it until I know who's playing for them. I want winners. It's like I said, I don't think he has the sack to put Rattler on the bench. Well, I, I would say this: if Rattler. If, if I had a guarantee he was going to play, I would be all over TCU on that line. But I'm not going to do that. Boise State screwed me last week and just went down there and took care of business against BYU. So give me the blue Smurfs on the blue turf against Air Force at minus four and a half. I, you know, betting on Notre or sorry, betting on Boise State at home less than a touchdown against Air Force, who I know they're five and one. They've got a good team, but I think Boise covers here, man. Four and a half on the blue turf. That's usually pretty easy money. So we'll see if they screw me two weeks in a row. All right, Timmy, back to you. Round three. Give me your last one. All right. The last one I got up is Florida and LSU. Florida's a ten and a half point favorite. The news that LSU is going to be without their only offensive weapon in Butte for the rest of the year. I don't see 
how LSU scores 10.5 points, let alone cover that. <laughs> I still think that Florida's a really good team, uh, and we've already established that LSU is not, so I think Florida's an easy cover at 10.5. Yeah, well, most of Vegas would tend to agree with you. The line opened at, I think, eight points, and after Butte's uh, injury was announced, it screamed up you know, to 10.5 in a couple of hours. So, Eric, round number three. Well, as tempting as it was to take Syracuse plus 13 and a half against Clemson, because like I said a couple weeks ago, I don't think Clemson should be a two touchdown favorite over basically anybody. Basically, anybody doesn't include Syracuse because I don't think they're. Do uh, it. No, can't do it. Do Um, it. Hey, hey, Syracuse stuck it to you this week against Wake. So maybe you ought to give them some love like I did Boise. I still don't get that. Like I switched over to the uh, to watch part of the Iowa game. And I, I checked the score on my phone. Wake was up seven with like three and a half minutes left and they had the ball. And then hours and hours later, I get home from the emergency room and I'm like, what in the hell happened? How did they go to overtime? Syracuse jerks. Um, <laughs> so Utah State is a decent, not great, but decent football team. They are playing at UNLV, who is awful. So give me Utah State minus seven. Seven and a half. Seven and a half is the current line. Okay, well, give me that. Okay. All right. Utah State minus seven. <laughs> oh, don't have the sack to take the cues. Oh, boy. Watch them win. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're going to sit here and tell me you got faith in Clemson to cover 13 and a half against anybody. I don't care who it is. I don't care who you play. I'm not. I don't have enough faith in Syracuse to take it, but. Phew, man. Wait for the orangeman to take him to the woodshed. This conversation's going nowhere. All right. I'm going to round us off here with number three. I'm going to take Fresno State on the road at Wyoming. Fresno State's undefeated against the spread this year. They're a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Wyoming, not very good. They're four-and-one, but they've been squeaking by, getting some lucky wins this year. So give me Fresno State to cover here on the road, minus three-and-a-half. Was that game on ESPN 8, the Ocho? I think the so, yeah. fuck is this game right now? Yeah, it's on the Ocho. It'll be right after Eric's Utah State and uh, UNLV game. Yeah, it's big double header this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and technically, technically speaking, it's on FS2, if anybody was wondering. Yeah, it's in jeopardy of being bumped by the disc golf finals that are on up against it, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. It, it, it pays... It, it, it pays the same if Fresno State covers. So say what you want. No, are you are you serious? Is FS two actually a thing? Uh, that's what it says. So oh wow, huh? Yeah, I guess that's the probably not on everyone's cable package. <laughs> yeah, I don't have it. So maybe that's like the Fox premium streaming service or something. Shit, I don't know. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I won't watch a snap of it. I just like Fresno State based on the numbers here. I'm gonna take a page out of Hunter's book and go with Moneyball here. So, uh, Timmy. Who's losing? Who's getting upset this week? Ole Miss. Give me, uh, give me, give me the Volunteers, man. You kidding me? Tennessee's looked better and better each week, and I think people are sleeping on them a little bit. And Ole Miss really hasn't done a whole lot for me this year, and I just smell upset all over this one, man. Hmm. I would tend to agree with you. I don't like Ole Miss being a favorite over Tennessee in this game. I think Tennessee gets it done. I agree with that. So Timmy's got the Volunteers at home. Oh, Rocky Top. I'll probably be singing that later this season. Uh, Eric, who's losing? Washington is losing. Washington is a two and a half point favorite at home against UCLA. You motherfucker. (laughs) I've watched parts of three Washington games and no, just no. UCLA, end of story. Damn it, Eric. 
I had that written in. Thought it was like the easiest upset pick ever. Okay. Well, fuck. Okay. So Eric takes my pick. I don't get to pick UCLA. Probably a good thing. Chip Kelly would have screwed me. So give me uh, Boston College at home. They are a two and a half point dog to NC State. I think Boston College, people are sleeping on them like they do all the time. They're a very quiet four and one this season. NC State, the last three games, they're one and two against the spread against Boston College. Like I said, I think BC gets it done. BC's performed quite admirably considering the loss of their starting quarterback early in the year. So I agree with you. I think they're probably a better football team at this point than NC State is. I don't know. (laughs) I got no faith in either one of these teams, but I feel like Boston College gets it done. They drilled them last year when it was at Boston College. It was like 45 to 24 or something. Just thumped them. So I think we see a little bit more of that. I think Boston College runs it down their throat and gets the upset. So BC. All right. Well, boys and girls, that's going to bring us to a close unless anybody's got anything else to that they would like to discuss. Well, you know what Saturday was. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we know what it was. Saturday was a bad day to be a cold beer in Bowie's Creek, North Carolina, because Saturday was also hump day. The uh, fighting camels went into Boiling Springs, North Carolina. Big game against uh, conference foe Gardner-Webb, and on the strength of 265 passing yards and two touchdowns from Wiley Hartley and three rushing scores from Bryant Barr, Camel scored 14 fourth-quarter points to come out with a 42-28 to victory. Roll humps. When are, when, are we, uh, when are we warming up the bus for the Campbell playoff uh, appearance here? What's going on with that? <laughs> I don't know, but... They, uh, they're on a little streak there. Had a 10-game yeah. losing streak, and now they've won, what, three in a row? Uh, so they are 2-0 and in conference play, tied for first place in the Big South Conference. Hey, that's all that matters right there, man. How about that? All right, that's going to that's gonna bring us to the end of the show. You guys can find us on Twitter or Instagram at South End Zone Pod. Give us a listen. We're on all available all available podcast platforms. Give us a listen. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Uh, feel free to roast Timmy's takes because he's going 0-4 this week. Yeah, probably. <laughs> let, let us know what bets of yours hit or didn't. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back with you next week for week eight. And we will see you then. Thanks for listening. Thank you very much. Have a great day.